Hi, Sam here. And before we start the show today, I wanted to share a special announcement. If you've been listening to The Appleseed for a while, you may have heard some of our original audio drama adventures, highly produced, immersive stories made for the whole family to enjoy together. They're full of action and adventure, and they're stories that might even give your family some things to talk about together. You may remember The Crystal Whale, where the crew of a submarine grounded on the bottom of the ocean comes face-to-face with a giant sea creature, or the glass cutter with a family that executes high-tech heists together to rescue stolen works of art. Those kind of adventures. Well, The Appleseed is launching a brand new spin-off podcast that will be the home of these adventures. The podcast is called Kaboom, and it's launching on March 31st with a couple of brand new stories you've never even heard before, like a family searching for UFOs in the middle of the ocean, and a mascot who's got to protect the high school football team from an ancient Viking curse. We can't wait to share it with you. And here's a bit of a trailer to give you an idea of what Kaboom is all about. It's happening. It's happening! It's time for Kaboom! Original audio dramas full of adventure. What on earth is that? What on earth does it look like? Wonder. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And sometimes even... A dragon? Our own robot! A zombie? A show made for the whole family to enjoy together. We're not the typical family. That will get you saying, How about that? I do believe I just saw a miracle. You're kind of weird, you know that. You can do anything. So buckle up. Jump in and don't let go. And get ready. If I die, I'm going to be so mad. Because this place is about to go. This is my favorite part. Kaboom! Kaboom Season 1 premieres on March 31st. Subscribe now to wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> I know, right? It's quite a ride. Go subscribe to Kaboom now on your favorite podcast platform so the premiere will be automatically waiting for you in your queue on March 31st. And now, here's the apple seed. On today's episode... What do you do with a 480-pound pumpkin? Don't worry, darling. I'll sort it out. All kinds of tales. From all kinds of tellers. Here on The Appleseed. It's time for The Appleseed. In each episode of the show, we bring you a couple of stories from favorite storytellers. They'll entertain you and inspire you. They'll get you thinking and maybe even help your family tell your own stories. I'm Sam Payne. And first up, we've got kind of a rowdy, tall tale from the West Virginia tall tale teller, Bill Lepp. It's one of those classic stories of misadventure. And Bill has an entire catalog of stories about him and his buddy Skeeter in the tiny town of Half Dollar, West Virginia. This story is about how the departure of a loved one can leave a pumpkin-sized hole in your heart. But if you find a purpose, you can heal and move on. Here's Bill Lepp with a story he calls The Bored Gourd, recorded live in the Appleseed Studio. Skeeter grew a giant pumpkin in 1988. 
It weighed 480 pounds, and it won all the prizes at the county and the state fair. See, in the fall, or in the summer of 1987, his girlfriend, Charlay, yeah, she's named after a breed of cow. Uh, his girlfriend, Charlay, and her mother, Helen, moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, because their home life was terrible, uh, and they just needed to get away, and Skeeter was heartbroken. They were still a couple, but you know, this was in 1987, and we didn't have communications like we have today. So Skeeter wrote Charlay a letter that fall, and he said, Charlay, ever since you're gone, I'm heartbroken. I don't know what to do with myself. And he sent it off, and a week later, he got a letter back, and he opened it up, and in it, there was, in the envelope, was a packet of giant pumpkin seeds, and a letter from Charlay that said, do something constructive, grow a giant pumpkin. Gargantuan produce are a balm for the brokenhearted. So it was November. You can't grow a giant pumpkin in November. So Skeeter just started to research what you needed to grow a giant pumpkin. And one of the things he found out was that you needed a fertilizer that was rich in phosphates, potassium, and nitrogen. And he showed up at my house one night with some burlap sacks and two shovels, and he said, come on. And I didn't even ask where we were going, because I didn't want to ruin the surprise. <laughs> But it turns out that we were going to the half-dollar Baptist church, and we broke in the back door, and I said, why are we here? And he said, I need to get some fertilizer. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, giant pumpkins need a fertilizer that's rich in phosphates, potassium, and nitrogen. As you well know, the attic of the half-dollar Baptist church has been infested with bats for over a decade. There are tons of guano up there. So we're going to get it from up there. Because that's rich in what we need. And I said, well, I mean, do you think that when Charlay said do something constructive, she meant break into the half-dollar Baptist church? Skeeter said, she knows I think outside the box. And so I said, why are we breaking in, though? And he said, because, you know, that's our style. And I said... <laughs> I said, why don't we just ask? And he said, I doubt that pastor has forgiven us. Ten years ago, we had a little run-in. I said, that was ten years ago. You'd think the guy'd forgive us by now. And Skeeter said, that pastor's not a very forgiven fellow. And that was true. He said, plus, you know, if we're going to take crap off the Baptist, we're not going to ask for it. <laughs> so we went up into the attic, and we spent the rest of the night shoveling guano into burlap sacks and carrying it across the midnight streets of Half Dollar, West Virginia, and we dumped those sacks of guano into a giant hole Skeeter had dug in his backyard, and we filled the hole in with dirt, and then we were standing there on our shovels, and I said, what now? And he said, we wait for the guano to fertilize the ground. And I said, do we have to wait here? <laughs> and he said, I guess we can go inside. And so, while growing giant produce is a balm for the brokenhearted, waiting for bat guano to fertilize the ground really doesn't do anything for you. And so, Skeeter traveled to Charleston, to Morgantown, to the University Library to find out how to grow a giant pumpkin. And when it came about four days before the last killing frost in the spring, Skeeter went out and he planted his pumpkin seeds in nice little rows. And seven to ten days later, the plants started to emerge and the vines started to grow. They flowered and the pumpkins started to grow on the vines and we would go out and stand in the pumpkin patch and just look to see which pumpkin we thought was going to be the biggest and they were all growing pretty well but there was one that was definitely outgrowing all of its kin and so Skeeter decided that that 
was going to be the giant pumpkin, and he put a padded pallet underneath of it because you have to think ahead when you're g growing giant produce. Because when it comes to move it, it's a 480-pound pumpkin, you know, you got to be able to move it. So you put the pallet underneath of it to begin with, and then you can just drive a forklift or whatever under there and pick it up. And we would go, and we would sit, and we would watch the giant pumpkin grow, and Ferndale came over. She was a friend of ours. You have to understand, I lived in a town called Half Dollar, West Virginia. We had two streets in Half Dollar. One was called Main Street. The other one was called, nah, that ain't Main Street. And so, <laughs> there wasn't a lot to do. And one day a reporter showed up, because there wasn't a lot to report on either. And... <laughs> He asked Skeeter, because here's a kid with no farming experience, not even any gardening experience, who's growing this giant pumpkin, and he said, why are you growing a giant pumpkin? And Skeeter said, well, you know, because my girl moved to South Dakota, so you know. <laughs> and the reporter didn't know. He was writing an agricultural column, you know, not a love column. And so he changed tact, and he said, what's your secret, if you don't mind sharing? And Skeeter said, well, some people are seed people, some people are manure people. I'm a manure person myself. And the guy said, what kind of, what kind of manure did you use? And Skeeter said, bat guano. And the reporter said, how do you spell guano? <laughs> and then he said, why are you using bat guano? And Skeeter said, because it's rich in all the nutrients the giant pumpkins need. And the guy said, where did you get hundreds of pounds of bat guano. And Skeeter said, we went to the Lord. <laughs> so, I'm not exactly sure why, but we referred to this giant pumpkin as the board gourd. Fern named it, I guess because it didn't have a lot to do, uh, except grow. But pumpkins can grow, giant pumpkins can grow 40 pounds a day. So you can almost literally watch them grow. And this one was getting so big that it was starting to tip off the pallet that it was on. And so we took some 2x12s and we sunk them in the ground and we made kind of a hammock so we could put the giant pumpkin, the board gourd, up on that hammock. And as we were doing that, Skeeter said to me, he said, you know, when people grow giant tomatoes, they use a bra to support them. And I said, I don't think we're going to find a bra big enough for this pumpkin. <laughs> and so we were sitting out there one day, me and Skeeter and Ferndale, uh, and just at the edge of Skeeter's yard was a barbed wire fence, and on the other side of that fence was a bowl. And that bowl belonged to Angus Fester, who was Charlay, Skeeter's girlfriend's father. And Angus hated me and Skeeter for lots and lots of reasons, and that <laughs> hate transferred to his bull. Uh, <laughs> so that bull hated us as well, and I don't know what it was about that giant pumpkin, but something about that pumpkin was driving that bull crazy. He would stand in the field with his big bull eye kind of staring at the pumpkin, and you know, bull slobber, and then he would ease a little bit closer and stare some more, and then easily, and then he would get startled and run away. I don't know if it was that the giant pumpkin, as it expanded, if it squeaked, maybe it gave off some sort of high, you know, high-pitched squeal that only bulls can hear, but finally, one day that bull snapped. He had just had it with that giant pumpkin, and he just came charging through the barbed wire fence. He was headed straight for the board gourd, and Fern, before even Skeeter and I could get out of our seats, Ferndale jumped up, grabbed like a six-foot piece of two-by-twelve that was laying there, braced it against a tree over here, held it like this, like a matadorus with a board instead of a sword, and the bull... <laughs> 
went just smashed right into that two by 12 and it's it's horns just went right through impaled and the bull stopped it didn't know what was happening now and so it just stood up with this two by 12 wandered back into the field and Skeet and Ferndale and I sat back down, and about ten minutes later, Angus Fester's truck came tearing into Skeeter's driveway, and he got out, and he had that board with the two holes in it, and pretty soon Sheriff Hasbro pulled into the driveway. Clearly, Angus had called Sheriff Hasbro, and Sheriff Hasbro uh, and Angus Fester also did not like each other for lots and lots of reasons, but Sheriff Hasbro was a good, honest sheriff, so he came even when Angus Fester called, and Angus held up that board, and he said, Sheriff, these kids hit my bowl with this board so hard that it stuck on my bull's horns. And Sheriff Hasbro said to us, is that true? And Ferndale said, Sheriff, I don't think even the three of us working together would be strong enough to swing a board hard enough to stick it on the bull's horns. And Sheriff Hasbro said, well, what did happen? And Ferndale said, well, we were sitting there. And all of a sudden, that bull came charging through the fence, and I jumped up, and I picked up that piece of 2 by 12 and I held it, braced it against that tree right there between the bull and the board gourd. And the bull ran into the board and then walked away. And Sheriff Hasbro said, let me see if I have this straight. He said, the bull came charging through the fence to gore the board gourd, but you held up that board, and the bull gored the board instead of the board gourd? <laughs> And Ferndale said I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so we passed it. Well, then Sheriff Hasbro said to Angus Fester, you make sure that bull never comes in this yard again. I don't know what it's got against the board gourd, but Skeeter, for the first time in his life, is doing something constructive, and I don't want your bull to mess it up. So the pumpkin finished growing, and we took the board gourd to the county fair and the state fair, and it won all the prizes, and all the 4-H kids and the FFA kids gave Skeeter the stink eye, because, you know, he was a city kid, and here he was <laughs> growing this enormous pumpkin. But what do you do with a 480-pound pumpkin? When you're done with it, well, I'll tell you, some people donate them to food banks, but we didn't have a food bank. Uh, and so we took it down to the Half Dollar Baptist Church because the Half Dollar Baptist Church pastor hated Halloween, but he loved pumpkin chucking. And pumpkin chucking, you need to look this up. Just search engine it when you get home. People take giant produce and they build catapults and trebuchets and they just launch produce for hundreds and hundreds of yards. And then it explodes out there in the middle of a pasture. And so the pastor would go around town and collect everyone's used jack-o'-lantern, take it down to the church, and he built catapults and a trebuchet. And this year, they were tearing, well, they weren't tearing the Baptist church down, but they were, they had to abandon it because the, they just couldn't get rid of the bats. And if they tore it down, that would tear up the bat habitat. So they were just going to build a new church in a different place in town. But the steeple was still really sturdy. So the pastor had built a trebuchet on the steeple. Now, a trebuchet, <laughs> it's just, apparently you know, uh, but it's a pole. <laughs> And on one end, there's a counterweight, and on the other end, there's a sling. And so you raise the counterweight in the air, you put whatever you're going to launch in the sling, and then you drop the counterweight, and when that happens, you know, it flips over and it slings whatever you're going to shoot. And the longer the pole, the farther the counterweight has to drop, and the heavier the weight is, the further you can send giant produce. And so... <laughs> 
The pastor had gotten a telephone pole and built a trebuchet on the steeple of the church. And we raised the counterweight and put the board gourd in the sling. Charlay had come from South Dakota to see this happen. And the whole town was there. Uh, Sheriff Hasbro was standing there. And the pastor let go of the counterweight and the trebuchet. Trebuchet. <laughs> and now the board gourd was a lot of things. The board gourd was a balm for the brokenhearted. The board gourd was the thorn in the side of a bowl. The board gourd was an award-winning pumpkin. But the board gourd was not in any way flight-worthy. <laughs> and it went up, but not very much. And then it just started coming down. And it went right through the roof of the Half Dollar Baptist Church. And we heard it smash through the ceiling. And we heard it hit the ground. And the walls of the church just fell like this. And there was sawdust and shingles and pumpkin bits and bat guano flying through the air. And the Baptist pastor was wiping himself off saying, boys, 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 stained and tainted, which is a reference to an entirely different story. And the crowd was silent. And Sheriff Hasbro looked at Skeeter and he said, I don't know how you did this. He said, there's no way you could have planned this. No way. But even when you set out to do something constructive, you do something destructive. And Skeeter turned to the crowd and he said, ashes to ashes, pumpkin to bat guano. And everybody went wild. And then Skeeter and Charlay went to South Dakota to go to college, and I went to my college, and Ferndale went to her college, and we weren't all four together again until the next summer, late that summer. We were driving around town like you do. We went past the field where the Baptist church used to be, and in that field, there were hundreds of bat boxes, and beneath those bat boxes, there were hundreds of giant pumpkin plants. And Skeeter just sort of gave a silent salute to the brood of the board gourd. The great West Virginia tall tale teller Bill Lepp with a story called The Board Gourd, a story recorded live in the Appleseed studio before our terrific studio audience. And I'll tell you, I love hearing in that story about how Charlotte, the girlfriend, recognized how Skeeter was down in the dumps, and instead of solving his problems for him, she just pointed him toward a purpose. Instead of a lecture, she gave him a packet of pumpkin seeds. I think that's great. And, you know, you never know what's going to bring on a memory, and you never know what memory it's going to bring on. But that story brought up for me the memory of someone who brought me something that wound up giving me just a little bit of purpose, at least for a couple of afternoons. I remembered the day my mom brought home a typewriter she picked up at the thrift store. Now, she brought that typewriter home to me and my brother Joe when we were just little kids, and she thought that we'd have fun taking that typewriter apart, seeing how it worked. That seemed like the cure for a 
boring summer afternoon. But darn it, the typewriter worked. And instead of taking it apart, I used it to write a crime noir thriller or whatever crime noir thriller I could write when I was eight years old. And I kind of petered out after just two or three pages. But when I look back, that gift may just have started me on the path to becoming a writer and a performer and a podcast host. How about you? Can you think of a gift someone gave you that helped you discover an interest or a purpose? If so, you might want to share that story with them. They might not even realize how much of an impact their gift had on you. And I bet it would lead to a rich conversation. And of course, if that person is gone, their story doesn't have to be. Share it around the kitchen table or the living room. That kind of storytelling can make for memories that last a lifetime. Just like the pumpkin seeds in that tall tale, stories have this wonderful way of sprouting and growing like seeds as the stories bring up thoughts that grow into conversations. And maybe that's why we call the show The Apple Seed. In a moment, we'll bring you another story, this time from the New Hampshire storyteller Simon Brooks. That's coming up on The Apple Seed. I'm Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure to be with you on The Appleseed today. After that story from Bill Lepp tickled our funny bone, we've got one more story for you today from Simon Brooks, a storyteller originally from England who now calls New Hampshire his home. In fact, the New Hampshire town where he lives is called New London. If you ask Simon where he's from, he'll say New London, New Hampshire, New England, new world. This is a story about family trying to rid their garden of a big bully. Here's Simon Brooks. The story is called The Goat from the Hills and the Mountains, recorded live in the Appleseed Studio. This is fun. Thank you for having me here. I'm glad that you're all sitting here and I'd like to echo what Sam said earlier about making it out in, through the snow. So thanks very much indeed for coming. Appreciate it. So my first story is what you might call a, sign oh, is a signature story that I tell. And it's uh, an Hispanic story uh, that I learned from uh, a couple of writers. And I asked them if I could tell the story and they said yes, which is wonderful. And the story goes something like this. Once upon a time, there was a tall, handsome man, nothing like me. And he met this beautiful, elegant, gorgeous-looking woman. Again, nothing like me. And they got married, and, and they had a, a baby child. Again, nothing like me. And they, they raised this, this young child in this wonderful little cottage, a little picket fence, and they had a garden filled with beautiful flowers. But they also had a vegetable garden. And the vegetable garden had all different kinds of lettuces, tomatoes, herbs, and spices, courgettes, or as you call them, zucchini, right? There was aubergine, which you call eggplant, and all that kind of stuff. And one day, the mother, she was, she's making supper, and she starts cutting things up, and she asks her daughter to go down into the vegetable garden and go and get some chives and some garlic and some tomatoes. And off she goes. And there, in the middle of the herbs and the spices, was this huge goat, and it was chomping 
on those herbs and spices and vegetables. And the little girl went up to her and said, Shoo! And the goat looked up at her and said, Hey, what are you doing, huh? I said, well, you're eating our herbs and vegetables. You've got to go. You've got to shoo, shoo, shoo. No, 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 no. Do you not know who I am? No, no, I don't. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I finished eating the herbs and the spices, I shall eat you too. Well, when the girl heard this, she screamed and ran back to her house. Mommy, 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 there's a baby goat out there. He's got these big old horns, these little beady eyes. He's eating your herbs and vegetables. This is going to eat me next. What, she said? This is a baby goat out there and he's eating herbs and vegetables. He's got these beady little eyes and beady little horns. This is going to eat me after he's eating the herbs and the vegetables. You're talking too quickly. Tell me what you're saying. Slowly. There's a goat out there and it's eating our herbs and vegetables. It said it's going to eat me next. I'll sort it out, she said. And she grabbed a broom and she made her way down into the garden. And she saw the goat there and she raised the broom as if to strike the goat. And the goat looked at her and said, Hey, what are you doing, huh? So like, I'm shooing you. you you're, you're threatening to eat my daughter and, and the herbs and vegetables. Go on, shoo. No, 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 no. Do you not know who I am? No. I am the goat. From the hills and the mountains. And when I've finished eating the vegetables, I'm going to eat your little daughter. And when I've finished eating her, I shall eat you too. And the goat lowered its horns and looked at her. And she gave such a startled cry, she ran back to the house and went up to her husband. Husband, husband, there's a grubby goat out there. It's got these beady eyes and these big long horns. It's a terrible little tail. And it's eating her vegetables. It's threatening to eat my daughter. And it's threatening to eat me too. I beg your pardon, my dear. There's a goat out there. It's got these beady little eyes and these big long horns. And it's eating her vegetables. It's going to eat our daughter. And it's going to eat me afterwards. Uh, you're, you're talking too quickly, dear. What is it you're trying to say? There's a goat out there and it's eating our herbs and vegetables. It's going to eat our daughter and then it's going to eat me next. Don't worry, darling. I'll sort it out. And so he picked up the largest piece of wood that he could find in the wood pile and he made his way down to the garden and he walked up to the goat and raised the stick up as if to strike the goat and the goat's like, Hey, what are you doing, huh? Well, I, I, I'm shooing you. you you're, you're threatening to eat my daughter and my wife and you're eating herbs and vegetables. No, 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 no. Do you not know who I am? Um, I can't say I've had the pleasure of your acquaintance yet. No. <laughs> I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I finish eating the herbs and vegetables, I shall eat your daughter. And when I finish eating her, I shall eat your wife. And when I finish eating her, I shall eat you too. <laughs> and the goat lowered its horns and made towards the father and the father looked at those horns and saw how sharp they were and took off back to the house I can't seem to do anything about this it's a terrible goat it's a horrible goat there's big horns and there's little yellow eyes of it and just then a gentleman was stopped who was walking by he said excuse me it looks like you're having a bit of bother with, with that goat uh, yes actually we are it's eating our and vegetables threatening to eat us well, I'm a soldier you know was a soldier I fought many battles and uh, I wonder if you want me to have a go well, that would be absolutely marvellous, thank you. And so the soldier made his way down. And the same thing happened to him. He went to draw his sword, but as an ex-soldier, he didn't have one anymore. And when the goat lowered its horns, the soldier took off back to the house. Oh, I can't do anything, I'm sorry. I can't do anything about this goat. It's, it's a terrible goat, those little eyes, those big long horns. And then they heard this tiny little voice that said, I can help. And they looked around and... They heard the voice, I'm down here in the roses. And they looked, in, and sure enough, in the rose bushes right next to them, there was this teeny tiny little ant. I, I can get rid of the goat for you. And the soldier looked at the goat and said, you're just a puny little ant, I could pick you up and pop you if I wanted to. That's not very nice. I'm offering to help these people and you're going to pop me. 
And the, the mother, she said, it's all right, it's all right. Do you really think that you can help, help the, the, get rid of, rid of the goat? I'm pretty sure I can. And so the, they, they, they smiled and said, yes, we'll give you anything that you want if you, if you can get rid of this goat. And so the goat climbed, the, ant climbed down the, the flowers, made its way across the lawn, and it went all the way over to the goat. It climbed up the back leg of the goat and bit it incredibly hard on its haunches. Whoa, 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 what, what, what's going on back there? And it got bitten again. Ow, what's, what's happening back there? And it tried to spike it with its horns. It, it leapt around and leapt and bounced and leapt and bounced until it jumped over the hills and over the mountains. The little ant, it left the goat to run off and it made its way back across the lawn up onto the rose bush and said, I, I got rid of the goat for you. That's incredible. Let me get you a couple of sacks of grain. Oh, no, no, I don't need two sacks of grain. That's too much. I'm just a little ant. What about one sack of grain? That's still too much. What about half a sack of grain? That would still squish me. Well, what would you like then? Two grains, please. One for me and one for my grandma. And so they got two grains and they gave the, the ant one of the grains and then the little girl carried the other grain back to the ant's house. I don't know if they ever made bread from that grain. But what I do know is that never again were they bothered by the goat from the hills and the mountains. <laughs> Simon Brooks with the goat from the hills and the mountains. Thanks for joining us today on The Appleseed. And thanks to Bill Lepp and Simon Brooks for sharing their stories. Listening to these stories always brings up memories for me that I love to share. If it does the same for you, open your mouth around the kitchen table or the living room. Where will these stories take you? And who will you take along? Today's episode was produced by Brian Tanner and Heather Bigley. Our audio engineer is Carly Wilson. Trent Horton, Natalia Reeve, Hannah Harlan, and Evie Hendricks make up the rest of the Appleseed team. If you'd like to communicate with us, send us a note. You can email us at theappleseed at byu.edu. That's theappleseed at byu.edu. Or if you're listening through a podcast app, rate us and leave us a little review. It helps people find the show. We're pleased and proud to be among the many shows in the BYU Radio family of programs. Of course, you can find this episode or any episode from our archive on the BYU Radio app at byuradio.org slash Appleseed or by Googling the Appleseed podcast. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on the Appleseed. Appleseed.